Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Changing Faith Podcast. It has been a minute, hasn't it? And I can tell you that it already feels great to be here recording the podcast and to be here with all of you. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to share one thing with you. That is coming this April, I will be hosting the Blueprint Retreat in Granby, Colorado. This is going to be the only retreat that I do this year because I will be uh, taking sabbatical starting in May. And when I'm on sabbatical, I do no regular work and I don't do any planning for work when I return. And so the dates for this year's uh, retreat are Friday, April 22nd through Sunday, April 24th. And the retreat uh, is a time for us to get together and consider the question, what's next? And this question often arises within those who find themselves in the midst of deconstruction. And deconstruction is a very healthy and needed part of our growth. It's us um, taking apart and, and examining and asking questions about God and the Bible and life and faith and spirituality. And the reason that we are asking these questions is because we actually care about these things. If we didn't care, we wouldn't ask the questions in the first place. And as important as deconstruction is, there's many who have a sense that there's something beyond this. There's something beyond all of this. And this is what we get together on the retreat to explore. And so we talk about the evolution of human consciousness. Uh, How can we approach the Bible with fresh eyes? What's possible in the days ahead and what can we hand off to the generations coming behind us? How do we learn new ways, fresh ways to commune with God, to commune with the divine? And and that just gets us started. Uh, But beyond all of that, my favorite thing about the retreat is the relationships and the connection that it fosters. I know so many people who are asking important and significant questions about their faith and In the midst of this, they feel alone. They feel isolated. And this happens because many of us have come from a religious tradition that told us questions are not okay. And for those of us in that place, we find ourselves remaining quiet. And when we remain quiet, we wonder if anyone else around us is in the same place asking the same questions. And I can tell you that over the course of the podcast, and my work at Denver Community Church, I have received emails from people who've shared this sense of feeling alone and isolated. I remember one email I received said, I can't tell people in my church about the books I'm reading and the podcasts I'm listening to. And that is just heartbreaking. This is why when a group of people get together in a room and they look around and They see that how many other people are in the same place, like something beautiful happens. And many friendships and relationships were born on these retreats over the last several years, and they're continuing. And for me, there is absolutely nothing better than that. So if you want to join uh, together with those who are asking similar questions, uh, the retreat is Friday, April 22nd. We begin at 5 p.m., And it goes through Sunday, April 24, and we conclude at 1 p.m. It's in Granby, Colorado, which is about a 90-minute drive from Denver. And you can register right now on my website. Uh, And until March 1, 
Uh, it's a discounted early bird registration. So there are also um, scholarships available. So if you need a scholarship, just go ahead and email me. It's michael at michael-hidalgo.com and we can sort out those details. You can, if you want to register, you can go to the link in the notes of today's episode, or you can go to michael-hidalgo.com backslash blueprint. And we would absolutely love to have you join with us. But for today, what happened to the Changing Faith podcast? Now, this is a question I received from many of you, whether it was over email or when I'd see many of you uh, on Sundays at Denver Community Church, some of you reached out over social media asking, what happened to your podcast? What happened to the Changing Faith podcast? Are you done? Is it ever coming back? Why did you stop? Are you okay? (laughs) Is everything okay? And I can say, I appreciate each and every one of you Uh, who spent time asking and asked me those questions. So let me say uh, a little bit about what happened and then reflect on the work that I've been doing and then some thoughts on self-awareness and finally, what the days ahead look like. So first, what happened to the Changing Faith podcast? And the really short answer is this. I had to take something off my plate. Now, one of the things I love about my work and the work that I do is all the various things that my work entails. Uh, Top of the list, my favorite thing is study and research and reading and learning. My favorite days, like my ideal day, are the days in which I'm able uh, to do these things for hours and hours, totally and completely uninterrupted. There's a sort of life and energy that sweeps through me in those times. Uh, Other things that I get to do, I get to craft sermons and I get to deliver them on Sundays. Um, I get to meet with all sorts of people and learn from their insights and genuinely get to know them. And I'll I'll never stop being amazed that in my work, the way people trust me with their stories is, it's an incredible gift, it's sacred. Uh, to, to hear about the, the savage beauty of their lives and to be able to walk with them through that. Uh, I also work alongside the staff of Denver Community Church. I meet with leaders in all different contexts in the city of Denver and even around the country. Uh, I lead retreats and included in the list of things I do in my work is I record the Changing Faith podcast. Now, of course, this may sound like a lot, but it's, it's manageable. And I always want to keep my work in the realm of being manageable so that I can give as much time and effort to each one of the things that is mine to do. But what happened is in October, 2020, I was invited into an opportunity, uh, into a, something new for me. And when the invitation came, I spoke with my wife about it and she said, I think you should go for it. Uh, I spoke with several staff members at Denver Community Church, and they said, I think you should go for it. I spoke with our elder team, which is our board at DCC, and they're the people to whom I report, and they said, we think you should go for it. And then I spent uh, my own time reflecting on this invitation, this opportunity, and over and over, a voice within me said, I think you should go for it. So I went for it. (laughs) And you may be wondering, 
Um, what exactly is it that you went for? So to answer that question, let me first back up several years. In 2014, I took a sabbatical from DCC. And in preparing for that, I reached out to a friend of mine and asked him uh, what resources he knew of that he thought would be helpful for someone in my place. And without any hesitation, he told me about this fellow who lived in uh, just outside of London who led people through an intensive process. And the more he spoke about this process, the more interested I became. And he then connected me with this fellow who lived outside of London, whose name is Steve. And Steve and I spoke and I learned more from him about the process and I was all in. My family and I, uh, as a part of this sabbatical, lived in England. We spent four weeks there that summer. And for three of the days that we were there, I went through this intensive process with Steve. And I can say, without a doubt, it reoriented my life. To this day, seven plus years later now, um, my day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year life is structured differently. The way that I understand myself, like I'm talking about my emotions or what's stirring in me or those the senses that I get that something is off or something's not right. Uh, I have way more insight than I've ever had into those things within. I learned all about the oughts and shoulds that inform who I am and the ways that I live according to them. Uh, the list goes on, by the way. And over the years, I've kept in regular contact with Steve, and he's continued to be, for me, a friend and an influence in my life that I'm so grateful for. And this brings me back to the invitation I received in October 2020. Steve called, and he said, I want to invite you uh, to be trained on how to lead others through the intensive process that I led you through years ago. And I went for it. Now, what I was not aware of when I said yes was the amount of time that it would demand each week for me to be in this process. And it turned out to be more than I had bargained for. And because I want to keep things in the realm of being manageable so that I can give as much time and effort to every one of those things, I knew, I knew that something I was doing was going to have to be put on the shelf for a season. And after assessing all of the things that are mine to do that I could press pause on, it turned out it was the Changing Faith podcast. So that is what happened to the Changing Faith podcast. And uh, I I concluded this training, this education. Uh, I went through it all of 2021. And so at the year's end, I uh, had finished. And now the podcast is back. Now, for those of you who did email me or ask me um, when we met, met up on a Sunday, uh, hey, what happened to the Changing Faith podcast? You've already heard me explain why I put this on the shelf for a bit. And when I told you about this process I was going through or this work that I was going to do, almost every single one of you asked the, the same follow-up question, and that was this. Well, what is this work that you're talking about? Or what is this intensive process you're being trained in? Which is why I want to reflect on the work that I've been doing. Uh, About a year after I went through the intensive with Steve, this is back in 2014, so now fast forward to about 2015, Steve and I were on a call 
And in our conversation, uh, I just was reflecting on the year after the process, and I told him that I felt renewed in so many aspects of my life and that I kind of had a fresh vision for how I could live. And he said to me, that's really good to hear because I think without this, you would have burned out at DCC within a year or two. Now, those words, honestly, they stopped me in my tracks. Burned out? Wait, we're talking to me. Me, burned out. I had never heard anyone say those words to me ever. And to be honest, I had pretty much fancied myself someone who pursued emotional and spiritual health. Uh, My mentor, the one that I worked with when I first started as a pastor, he was like a living example of someone who practiced health, someone who knew how to take a break, someone who knew how to say no, someone who knew how to just stop working and give his full attention elsewhere. And I believe that I, I imitated that really, really well. And I mean, truth be told, in some ways I did, but in other ways I didn't. And the ways that where I did not imitate that well were for me a blind spot. And so the work I've been doing is learning people to see those blind spots. Now, in this work, the beauty of it is I I learned to see more blind spots in my life. And by the way, I'm confident I still have (laughs) many blind spots yet to be discovered. But it's also learning how to help other people see their blind spots. And this process of learning is really built on three things. First, it's how we are naturally wired. Uh, You might say it this way, uh, how you were knit together in your mother's womb, as the psalmist says. This, this is basically who you really are. And it's the understanding that who you really are, the way you're naturally wired, that does not change. The, the second piece that this is built on is what life has offered you. So this is your context or your nurture. So this is everything from your family, your education, your sexual orientation, your gender, your religious background, your zip code, Um, And then the third thing it's built on are our choices. Now, these are the things that we often do without much thought at all. And these choices uh, often come about because of how we are wired, and it's a combination of how we are wired and what our lives have offered us. And so in some ways, our choices are the ways we've learned to navigate life. And it's the combination of these three things, this exotic cocktail of our nature, our nurture, and our choices that lead to how we experience the world and how the world experiences us. Now, often this is unconscious. Like we don't live each day aware of what's got us stuck or frustrated or what gets in the way of greater health and relationships or what stops us from achieving our goals. So, We just plod forward day after day. And that's the focus of the work I've been doing. It's helping people become more aware, more conscious of the way that they're wired, the way that we are wired, of the way that we have grown up, what our context is, what our nurture is, and the choices that we make day after day. Now, this work is based on uh, Jungian typology, which is the work of Carl Jung, And he wrote about this and studied this about 100 years ago. And it's his analysis that helps uh, helps us in the process 
of unlocking and beginning to see and become aware of these things in our lives. And in doing so, it allows us to see more of our patterns and habits and tendencies and behaviors and how these things, they create for us what we believe is reality. Or you might say it this way, it creates for us a sense of, well, that's just the way things are. And so for me, seven plus years ago, I learned that there is the way things are. But most importantly, I learned that I have the ability to change the way things are by changing the way that I live day in and day out. And so the work that I've been doing is how do I lead others through this process, helping them to see that though we might think, well, that's just the way things are, that no, we all possess the ability to become those who change the way that we live. And by changing that, then we change the way things are. And it's really rooted in this, in this self-awareness. It's rooted in being aware. And it's that word aware that's maybe the most important word here. So let me share some thoughts about self-awareness. Uh, what I mean by that is simply knowing how we are wired, knowing and seeing the oughts and the shoulds that have come to us through our context. And by the way, when I say oughts and shoulds, these are simply expectations that we have internalized from our family, our friends, our culture, our workplace, our school, our religion. Uh, and these are things that have either been explicitly told these are the things that we've been told you, you are supposed to do this or the things we've heard that you're not supposed to do this. Or these are the things that we've picked up along the way. They're more caught than taught. And it's being aware beyond just the nature and the nurture. It's being aware of the choices we make. And these choices are often for us on autopilot. It's this unconscious way of living that we just agree to and they largely become for us then second nature. So here's an example. Uh, for me as a pastor, like many other roles in life, there's an endless list of expectations from people uh, that are both spoken and unspoken, and there's an endless list of expectations that come from me of what I believe other people might expect. Now, there are some people who believe uh, pastors are to be available whenever they need them to be. There are others who think pastors are to live a life that is near, blameless, and spotless. So when, not if, when a pastor makes a mistake or does something that wounds someone unintentionally or says the wrong thing, this can be really disorienting, not only for the people who see it, but for the pastor who believes that they're supposed to be blameless. Uh, there are people who believe pastors are supposed to have an exceptional sermon week in and week out, just smash a home run <laughs> with every sermon they preach. Uh, or pastors are supposed to have the perfect insight for nearly every situation or be able to offer counsel that can save a relationship or, or rescue a marriage or free someone from addiction. Or pastors are supposed to have their proverbial nose to the grindstone and work hard and cast vision for the future and speak for God. There's endless expectations. Some of these come again from 
people who are a part of churches, some of these are what pastors place on themselves, or I should say that we place on ourselves. Now, if you listened to that list and you thought to yourself, are you, are you serious? No human being is capable of that. Well, you'd be absolutely 100% correct. The problem is a lot of pastors, if not all pastors, buy into some or all of these expectations, and that includes me. See, years ago, I was spreading myself really thin. I was really worn out. And I would show up at home every night, unable to engage much at all with my family. I was uh, always, always tired. I had very little time for myself. And the way that I found time for myself was I would stay up way too late and I would zone out while watching SportsCenter on ESPN. Typically, I would also have a huge, <laughs> a huge bowl of Breyers Vanilla Fudge Swirl ice cream with two double stuff Oreos. And by the way, I will fight to the death with anybody who says double stuff Oreos are not better than regular Oreos because they absolutely 100% are. But this is what I would do. I would zone out, eat massive amounts of ice cream, have some cookies. And of course, because I was staying up late and waking up too early, it only made me more tired. Now, this happened because the expectations I internalized without realizing them was a combination of things. First one was I didn't want to disappoint people. That was just part of my understanding. Like, no, I'm not, I'm in a place where I'm not supposed to disappoint people. And so what this meant was when someone reached out to me asking to spend time together or have a lunch together or have a meeting, I always said yes. Because if I didn't say yes, well, they might be disappointed. And I'm, I'm in a place where I'm not supposed to do that. And so Many days I would start sometimes at 7 a.m. and I'd have like back to back to back to back to back to back meetings all the way through until 4 p.m. Morning, afternoon, early evening, it didn't matter. And so by the time that I was finished with my work day, I wasn't only tired, but what began to creep up in me is I resented people. And even worse, I would show up at home and I'd have nothing left for the most important people in my life. So you see what happened is I bought into this expectation that was real or perceived that I didn't want to disappoint people in a way that I could avoid disappointing people was to give a wild amount of availability for everyone. Now, this was just one of the oughts and shoulds that I lived by. And this is where the awareness comes in. That sort of thinking and the way that I tried not to disappoint people uh, it worked against my nature. It worked against the way that I was wired. Because it turns out the way I'm wired is I wake up each day with a full battery. That does not mean I'm a morning person. What it means is I start each day ready for the day, full of life, with a full battery, 100% on my meter. But as the day goes on, the more interaction I have with people, however good and healthy that interaction is, the more depleted my battery comes, becomes. Now, there are others who start the day with a depleted battery 
And they get charged up more and more each time they meet with somebody because they're wired differently. And so what was happening with me was the combination of expectations combined with the way that I'm wired and my choices, which was always to say yes, because I didn't want to disappoint people, led to my being in a place of always feeling tired, often feeling disgruntled, and forever feeling like I could not get anything done, which is like crafting my next sermon. And so after the process, however, that I went through with Steve, I learned to reflect more. I was way more aware of how I'm wired. And because of that, I learned how I can reasonably respond to expectations that I place on myself or that others place on me. And in that, I was liberated to make new choices. And it turns out that when I would say to people, I'm sorry, I'm unable to meet because of these reasons, most people, when I say most, like 99% were understanding they were not disappointed. They actually appreciated that I was pursuing health. And so to give you an idea of one thing that I changed is today, it's extremely rare for me to meet with anybody before 11.30 a.m. Why? Well, because I start every day with a full battery. And if I start meeting with people at 7 a.m., by the time that I get to 5 p.m. and I'm thinking about heading home, I'm going to get home without any energy or life for my family. But if I start at 11.30 a.m., all of a sudden now my window for engagement and my battery depletion is less. So I now show up at home and I still have energy and life to give to my family. See, it's learning to take these steps toward greater health. It, this is the beauty of self-awareness. It, 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 it's there so that we can exist as a healthy presence with others. And, and let me say this. When self-awareness only leads to a focus on self, that very well may be an indicator that more work needs to be done. Anytime self-awareness leads to an attitude that says, life is about me, I would contend that's not self-awareness that really seems like self-centeredness. And there's a lot of needed conversation in our world today happening about self-awareness, about mindfulness, about being still, about uh, contemplation. And what I find interesting is the conversations I have with people who are interested in this, but they're not sure how to move deeper into this sort of thing, or even what the point of awareness and, and being still in contemplation and mindfulness, not even understanding what the point of those things are. Not long ago, I was talking with someone who told me that they started me meditating every day. And I thought, brilliant, that's great. This is an incredibly healthy exercise. And so I asked, well, what led you to start med meditating? And they talked about the greater health and slowing down and more focus and an ability to be present. And I so I asked them, well, why does that matter? And they looked at me a little perplexed and they couldn't actually say why. They couldn't say why those things mattered. Uh, it reminded me of a conversation I had several years ago when someone said to me, I want to be more like Jesus. Now, this is, this is great. This is admirable. But when they said, I want to be more like Jesus, I just said, why? And they couldn't really fashion a response. All this to say, if working on ourselves 
does not lead us toward being a healing, stable, loving presence in our world, uh, it may be an exercise in futility. It's possible that healthy self-awareness leads to greater health and will lead us to a place where we don't say life is about me. Rather, what we say is I am about life. And in order to become those people who say I am about life, we need to practice greater self-awareness. And we always need to remember that we never graduate from the school of self-awareness. It's not like we ever get to a place where we're done doing this practice. And I want to encourage us, we need to remember our pursuit of emotional and spiritual health is never only for ourselves. No, we do this so that we can serve and love and live more generously for the sake of others. We do these things so that we can be a conduit or a delivery system so that we can be and become a person that is a channel through which the love, grace, mercy, compassion, and peace of God flow into our world. And I can say that today, I am more of a channel for the love, grace, mercy, compassion, and peace of God than I was seven plus years ago when I first met Steve and went through the process. And by God's grace, I will be more of a channel for the love, grace, mercy, compassion, and peace of God seven plus years from now than I am today. And my growth, by the way, which sometimes it's really been exhilarating, but often it's been painful and humiliating. Uh, It's been helped along by my being able to see what was once hidden. It's been helped along uh, by me being able to see my blind spots. And so they're no longer blind spots They're just realities about who I am in the cocktail of my nature, in my nurture, in my choices. I I now refer to these things, these, these parts of myself that I need to be aware of. I talk about them as being lights on my dashboard, that I'm able to see these things now more quickly when they surface. Before I would have an emotion, something would come to the surface, I'd have no idea why it was happening. So I'd either beat myself up over it or I'd move past it or I'd ignore it. But now I have this, when these things come up, in that moment, I have a choice to make. I can choose to ignore the flashing lights or I can choose to examine what's going on under the hood that's causing the lights on my dashboard to start blinking at me. And there's something about this way of knowing There's something about having those flashing lights right in front of your face that's honestly, it's, it's freeing and it's liberating. And I say that because I've discovered more and more the grace that is available to us all the time. This is the grace that invites us to keep learning and keep growing and keep failing and keep getting up. The grace just to keep going. The grace that says to us, you don't have to live according to all of the unfair and unrealistic expectations that you've placed on yourself or that others have unfairly placed on you. And once you see this, you can't unsee it. I mean, we can run from it. We can ignore it if we want to, but we can't unsee it. It's it's there. It's almost like even in the moments when you run from it or ignore it, it's just staring at you with like these piercing eyes that kind of like go go right through the side of your head. You can't unsee it. 
And this for me is what truly and radically reoriented my life. I created this new structure in my day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year life that gives me this space every day, every week, every month, every year to be able to see and take inventory and be aware of who I am, the way that I need to live, the places in my life that need work and healing. And this is what I mean by it's reoriented my life, the self-awareness that is given to me and in giving me this has allowed me to become a greater source, a greater channel for the love and grace and mercy and compassion and the peace of God in our world. And this has made an impact in the way that I work. Uh, It's made an impact in the way that I preach and teach. It's made an impact in my relationships with other people. Uh, And it's impacted all the the ways in which I live my life day to day. And, And so what does this mean? Like, what does this mean for me? I went through this work. I went through this process of one year long education. So what then do the days ahead look like? Uh, In other words, why did I agree to walk through this process for a full year? Just so I could, I don't know, do party tricks with with people. Um, So first, I chose to do this because I thought, wow, if I could share this process with someone and it could impact their life the way it impacted mine, I'm all in, even if it's just one person. Um, But second is... I had already been in a, in a process of asking questions regarding my vocation or my calling and the vehicle for how my vocation and calling would go into the world. Now, for more than 20 years, my vehicle or the way I live my calling out into this world has primarily been through the local church and more specifically through speaking, teaching, Uh, more recently leading retreats, writing, podcasting. And in those moments, it's me sharing ideas that are shaping me or offering insights to a particular conversation or introducing a group of people to another group of people or introducing a group of people to a person that I've met. And I've given myself to this because there's a part of me that like when I happen upon an idea or a person, or a book, or an insight, whatever it is, when I happen upon something that excites me, or challenges me, encourages me, that opens me up, I just can't keep it to myself. Like, I have to, I want to, I need to share it with as many people as possible. And over the last few years, I've been exploring, well, what are other vehicles for me to do this sort of thing And what are the vehicles I've not tried yet? What are other ways I can connect with people and share the things that are shaping me in ways that might be helpful in shaping them? Are there ways that I have yet to learn that could serve others well? What are the vehicles that would allow me to match up my wiring, my heart, my passion? What are the vehicles that I've yet to try that would allow my vocation to find a new place in this world? I had been asking those questions. So when Steve called uh, and those who know me and love me most in the world said, I think you should go for it. I thought, well, maybe this is a vehicle I should try. And 
that is what it's becoming. And, and I could not be more thrilled. So as far as what the days ahead look like, uh, I've had the joy of leading a couple of people through this process so far. And it, it was so such a good time. It was an amazing thing just to walk through this with them. Uh, I'm walking through this with a few people who are in leadership at DCC. Really, really what I'm doing with them is I'm honing my skills, which is to say they are my test subjects. Uh, I actually said to them, can I practice on you? And they've been willing so far to take a risk. So I've appreciated that. But every time I do this, every time I walk away, I have this deep sense of joy and this feeling of being overwhelmed because there really is something about not only discovering your calling or your vocation, but finding new ways and new vehicles to see that calling take root in the world, especially taking root in a way that serves others and could potentially serve the world. So in the days ahead, I'm going to continue to learn more about this process. Uh, I'll continue to grow in my understanding of the whole thing. And I could not be more excited. There's something about being a beginner that I love. There's something about learning something new, about looking at something and thinking, there's no way I'll ever understand that. Like that, it's being at the bottom of the mountain and looking at the top going, I don't know how I'm going to make it there. I love that moment where you feel overwhelmed, where you think I can't do this, where you think this is way beyond me. And I have loved the entire process. And that's where I was at the beginning of 2021, looking at this huge process, this year long process, thinking there's no way I'll ever be able to lead someone through this. And now as I'm learning it, it has me all kinds of fired up for this next season. So in summary, that is what happened to the Changing Faith podcast. <laughs> in some ways, uh, I had placed an expectation on myself that said, you have to make sure you keep doing the podcast. But then I asked, says who? Like who's saying I have to keep doing the podcast? And it turns out the only one who was saying that was, what well, was me. So instead of listening to the expectations, instead of listening to the oughts and shoulds, I was able to see that what had really happened was I said yes to something. I said yes to taking a year to learn and to grow in a new way, to find a new vehicle, which meant that because I said yes, I had to say no to something, which in this case was the Changing Faith podcast. And here is one last thought. In those moments when we say yes, and because of that, we in turn have to say no, there is this tremendous freedom that comes with that. And in that freedom, there is less pressure. There are less of the voices shouting their expectations and their oughts and shoulds. And there's more joy in doing the things that are ours to do. And that's one of the things I have felt in coming back to the podcast because I made a choice to live more fully out of my nature, out of my wiring. And I said no to the podcast and it was only for a time, but I said yes to something that is going to lead me forward in a way where hopefully, and by the grace of God, will ultimately serve others and serve the world. So 
the Changing Faith podcast is back. And we'll have new episodes and new guests and new content. And I will also be in this new vehicle and waiting to see where this whole thing might take me. And in that place of unknowing, I could not be more excited for what lay ahead. And so again, I'm so, so thankful that we get to be back together again. And with that, we come to the end of this episode and we will be back, really, we will be back in a couple of weeks. And so until then, my friends, as always, much love and peace be with you.